So I'm just going to dive in to what I was going to talk about. First off, this is the first time I've done one of these in eight months. So <laughs> I apologize if I have a little bit of rust doing this. Um, but yeah, so let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, this was a weird weekend for sports. Um, and the first thing I'm going to start with is something a little bit more serious. And it's not going to be something I spend a lot of time on. It's just going to be something I kind of want to provide my thoughts and opinions on. Um, and this is something that I think, you know, has been resolved. About 70, 75% of it has been resolved. But throughout this week, we're going to see the final resolution to this issue. Um, the Michigan-Michigan State, uh, I guess, fight. Not really even a fight. It was more of a jumping. Um, you know, it, it, there's videos that I'm sure you have seen. There's videos that I'm sure maybe you haven't seen. Um, the different angles, the different stories, the different thoughts and opinions. Um, look, what Michigan State's players did, um, there isn't even any sort of justification that you can try to come to. Um, and if you're going to sit here and try to say, oh, well, Michigan should not, that Michigan player should not have been going down that side of the tunnel. Look, you either A, are ignorant to the situation, B, ignorant to um, fights, <laughs> or C, you're just ignorant as a total. Now, when I say you're ignorant to the situation and the context, uh, Michigan State's tunnel, there is one tunnel for both teams to exit. There is one tunnel that leads to both teams' locker rooms. There is one tunnel where both teams are going to be in the same area. Um, there's one tunnel. There's nothing you can say to fault uh, Jaden McBurrows, the Michigan player who was jumped, and the other player um, who was also attacked by the Michigan State players. Now, when I also say you're ignorant to the situation... Why, if you're Michigan State, you just got your ass kicked? Why are you not? Why are you not trying to fight someone on the field when it's not ten on one? You're ignorant to the fact that Michigan State. You know, <laughs> you really need ten of you motherfuckers to beat up one guy, and you you obviously didn't even do that much damage because that guy got up and walked away pretty easily. Um, he didn't really try to, from the videos that we see, there's not much fight given by the Michigan player other than trying to get out of the situation. And like Michigan State, those guys, it seemed like they did nothing to that guy because he walked away pretty easily. Um, you're ignorant to the situation because why, if you're the coaches of Michigan State, um... You need to understand that this is a rivalry game. And in this rivalry game where Michigan, your cross-state rival, came into your stadium and kicked your team's ass. They whooped you. They didn't even give you a chance. It was close at halftime, but who the fuck cares about halftime when in the full game you got your ass kicked? Halftime doesn't matter. You look at it. And you say, man, we probably should not have a situation where we don't have our eyes on our players. 
and that is exactly what Michigan State's coaching staff did is they did not have eyes on their players. And when you don't have eyes on your players in a high-tense, um, high-stakes situation, your players are going to act out. Now, that's not to say that because of the fact that the coaches were not around, the Michigan State players had any you know, sort of justification to do what they did. Because if you ask me, not only do those kids need to be kicked off the team, they probably need to be kicked out of the university. Look, I... And there's no real way for me to put this in without it kind of having a comedic value because, you know, this is a serious situation. I don't even really feel like saying it. But, like, as an Ohio State fan, these are the types of things where I see the videos of this and it's like, man, I hate Michigan, but I hate Michigan State more now. And I hope that any team that plays Michigan State this year beats them 80-0. to I hope every single coach on this coaching staff is fired I hope anybody who has any hand in in this altercation, in this fight, the players, the coaches, anybody that has any sort of anything to do with this needs to be fired, removed from the team, and taken out of the university. Because when you do things like this, it not only portrays who you are as a human, but people start to think it portrays what the university and what that college is about. And what that tells you is Michigan State does not have any morals to stand on to say, okay, we just got our ass kicked, but it's on to next week. You know, we, we need to start preparing for next week. Because guess what? If you're Michigan State, you can still get a bowl game appearance. You can still salvage this season. But now with this, uh, there, should no be, there should not be a single reason. And there's no, there's no way that you can tell me uh, at this point that Michigan State deserves to have anything going forward. They don't. They they deserve to have every single team that comes into their stadium or every single team that hosts them to have a just a, a mauling on the field. And again, this is on the field where you need to be doing this. You can't be doing this in a locker room with 80 of your teammates surrounding you against one guy. That's just that's clown behavior. And it again, it's weird that Michigan State decided to take out all this pain, all this rage, all this whatever, and fight one guy in a 15-on-1 situation when it was 11-on-11 on the field 30 minutes prior, and they did nothing. They did absolutely nothing. Let's go ahead and move on. Um... The let's switch let's switch gears to the NBA for a second and let's switch to talking about something that actually just happened. Uh, the Sixers, Philadelphia 76ers, who are off to you know they're playing better. They're playing a lot better than they did to start the season. Um, and I think a lot of the things that were said about them as a team. Look, anything that gets said about any of these teams, about the Lakers, about the Nets, about the Sixers, about any of these teams that we think are struggling. Look, <laughs> we're gonna only we're only gonna hate on teams like the Sixers, the Nets, the Heat, the Lakers, even the Clippers to an extent because they were championship contenders going into the season. But that probably should have been our fault for placing so much emphasis on the start of the season when really. If we're saying that there's they're finals contenders, why do we care about Game 5 in October? Like, that's not what we should care about. 
But this has nothing to do with on-the-court play. This is everything to do with off-the-court. The Philadelphia 76ers were fined. Not even fined. They were... They were... They had second-round picks taken away from them for investigations into the signings of P.J. Tucker and Daniel House. And, you know, whether you want to say it's tampering, look, uh, P.J. Tucker and Daniel House are very good players. They're very good players in the role that they play, not only for the Sixers this year, but for P.J. Tucker with the Heat, with the Bucks, with the Rockets, with the Suns, with every team he's played for. Same thing with Daniel House when he was with the Rockets with James Harden. Um, and this year with the Sixers with James Harden and many of their stops along the way as well. And look, second round picks are not, you know, how often do second round picks turn into somebody like Jalen Brunson or Nikola Jokic? Like, you know, you, you get fined a second round pick. It's not like, you know, it's the worst thing in the world. But, you know, if you're going to be going down this road where you're just fining teams or you're you're giving players suspensions or you're giving coaches or front office members suspensions or you're taking away draft picks to me it's kind of like you know what's the point because if your point is to try to stop it look (laughs) if a team has a chance to sign somebody if a team has a chance to trade for somebody um i don't understand what the deal is with taking away picks because look if you're the philadelphia 76ers and you think okay i could get pj and daniel house two really good wing defenders uh pj tucker not only is a wing defector defender he can pretty much guard one through four uh if you really need him to i'd say probably actually more like two through four because i think there are some guards who a little bit more shifty. You don't really want PJ against the Stephs or the Ja Morants or even the, you know, the Damian Lillards of the world. You don't really want PJ Tucker against him. But the point is, you know, if you're the Sixers, you're looking at this. You have a chance to get PJ Tucker, a guy with championship caliber attitude, with championship caliber defense, with cha- championship caliber shooting. You're gonna take that chance to get PJ Tucker, even if it involves a little bit of tampering, even if it involves a little bit of back room conversations and it's kind of like okay we lose a second round pick who the fuck cares you know we're, we're not losing anything that's going to hurt the team this year and even though we're hurt technically getting something taken away from this that could help us in the coming years it doesn't matter it's a second round pick and that's kind of the point is like if you're just going to take away a team's second round pick shouldn't you kind of do a little bit more if you really are trying to make teams not want to tamper and even if you do those things look even if you're taking away first round picks for a team that's going to be good they're going to do it anyway it's kind of just like you know if a guy wants to go somewhere and teams are able to convince him to do it i don't understand why that should be reprimanded i don't understand you know if a a guy wants to go somewhere he's going to go there if a team wants to sign somebody they're going to sign the guy um, and it's kind of just like, you know, there, there's really no point to this 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 notion of, oh, well, teams cannot tamper. We cannot have a team tamper. We cannot have a team go against the validity of the league. We need to protect this league. Don't be the NFL. Do not be the NFL. And this is going to be something I talk about next with the NFL. But don't be the NFL and take every and any single chance to say that we're protecting the league. You're not protecting the league. You're not. You're doing something stupid. And just just stop doing stupid things. That's really all I can say.
So let's move on to that NFL topic I was gonna I, I was just referencing. And this is something that if you're a fan of the Pat McAfee show, you saw this today. Uh, the Pat McAfee show is being told by the NFL they can no longer use team names, team logos, or anything involving any uh, anything really uh, with the NFL on their show. Now, this is something that not only affects the NFL, and, and not just with this situation, but with media in general. It seems like corporations, it seems like leagues, it seems like organizations always are so quick to just try to shut down people who are giving them free advertising. Look, man, (laughs) there has been nothing over these last eight weeks that tell you if you're an NFL fan, you should be tuning into primetime games. There is nothing. You look at the last seven weeks of NFL Thursday Night Football. You look at a lot of the Monday night games. You look at a few of the Sunday night games. All year, they've been garbage. They've been terrible. They've been not worth watching. And part of the reason that some of these games are still tuned into is because you have people like the Pat McAfee Show and like Pat McAfee really leading it, You have those guys giving fans, giving the people that watch their show, somewhat of a reason to watch the show, to watch the game. You know, a a lot of people on Thursday night are probably not going to be watching Eagles versus Texans. But you know what? A lot of the people that are watching that game probably watched the Pat McAfee show and got excited to watch the game because the Pat McAfee show excited you. They told you Jalen Hurts is probably going to tear up this defense, get ready for a record uh, record type performance from Jalen Hurts or if the Texans somehow manage to pull off this upset it's going to be one of the biggest upsets of the year um, and it's going to be the game that the Eagles get their first loss against one of the worst teams in the NFL um, it, it, like they build you up to watch the games and now the NFL is reprimanding them and it's not the entire NFL I'm sure it's probably like five guys who think oh well let's just Whatever, you know, they're hurting the league by doing this. And this is exactly what I was talking about with the NBA a few minutes ago. Don't do stupid shit to say that you're protecting the league. Because all it does in the end is just hurt what you're trying to protect. And you shouldn't be trying to just protect the NFL. You shouldn't be trying to protect the NBA. Because guess what? A lot of the shit that's wrong with the NFL, they cannot do anything about. The league cannot do anything about, you know, bad play. The league cannot do anything about teams losing that should be winning or teams winning that should be losing. The NFL can't do anything about poor quarterback play, poor defense, poor running games, poor anything on the field. They can't do anything about that. They need to just let it play out and have it happen how it's going to happen naturally. It's exactly how they should be handling off-the-field issues as well. Now, if somebody's ripping off the league, if somebody's doing whatever to actually hurt sales of the NFL, yeah, sure, take care of those guys. But you can in no way say that that is the Pat McAfee show. Because I feel like out of any of the media members outside of the NFL, 
Look, man, I hate watching Good Morning Football. I hate watching ESPN. I hate watching almost every single TV show that handles the NFL. And honestly, that handles any sports in general. I think the only show that we can all agree is a really good show is the NBA on TNT. Now, that's not to say that there's not good media personalities with ESPN or with Fox Sports or with, you know, whoever. You know, I love watching the Jalen Rhodes and David Jacoby show. Um, I love watching uh, certain certain segments on the NFL. Or I love, you know, but the only show that you can consistently say provides a good leaping point to take NFL enthusiasts take them from watching a show and making that show making that enthusiast actually want to watch the game one of the only shows and maybe the only show nowadays is the pat mcafee show that is good at doing that and now the nfl is trying to hurt them by not letting them use any logos and this is something that pat mcafee you know and his his show made very clear they have paid over four and a half million dollars to be able to show NFL clips on their show. But for some reason, they cannot show team logos. They cannot say team names. They can't even say the NFL. They have to say the Pro-American Football League. And look, to some extent, they are they are exaggerating the issue to a comedic standpoint, which is exactly what they should do. That's They went the completely correct direction with that. This is all just bad by the NFL. The NFL has had a really bad year from the concussions, from the poor uh, primetime games, from the poor everything that they do. Look, man, everything has been bad for the NFL this year, and this is just another step in the wrong direction. Let us go and talk about the MLB now. And this is just going to be my quick, you know, couple minutes on the baseball game tonight. Look, Phillies and Astros. This is like this is probably the been the most interesting series uh, in the playoffs this year, right? I mean, the Astros had a really easy time just getting past New York, getting past uh, Seattle, and Philly has been the one team throughout this entire postseason where they've actually had to. They've had to work. They've had to work their ass off to get here. They had to work their ass off to get through the wild card round against St. Louis. They had to work their ass off to get past the Padres in the NLCS. They had to work their ass off to get past uh, Atlanta. And in every single one of those series, maybe not against you know San Diego after they had taken down Atlanta and taken down St. Louis, but I would say that they have been the underdog for a majority of this postseason. Um, and they're huge underdogs in this postseason as well. And they have done everything to prove that they not only belong in the World Series, but they deserve to win this World Series. And, you know, there's nobody in the entire world except for maybe a few people in Houston that are rooting or that are not rooting for the Philadelphia Phillies. And that includes myself. As a Mariners fan who just watched the Astros sweep my team out of the playoffs, yeah, I want to see the Astros lose. I want to see the Astros lose. And look, Philly doesn't just have the underdog mentality. They have really good players. They have Bryce Harper. They have Reese Hoskins. They have Kyle Schwarber. They have uh, Gene Segura. They have 
really good players. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you uh, JT Real Muto as well. I should you should not forget about JT Real Muto. Um, and look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know everything about the MLB. I know everything about the Philadelphia Phillies. Um, look, I know they were an 87 win team this year, and that's really not a typical. Uh, it's not a typical route to the playoffs. And in fact, if this was any year prior to this year, they would not have even been in the playoffs. But that's exactly what makes this year great for baseball. And we just talked about how the NFL is taking a lot of steps backward. The MLB has taken a lot of steps forward this year. Um, you know, with the rise of young players like Julio Rodriguez, like O'Neill Cruz, like, uh, you know, and we all hate the Astros, but Jeremy Pena put up a run for AL Rookie of the Year. Um, other young guys, Zach Strider in Atlanta. Um, you know, there's just young guys everywhere, and that, that's the point I'm trying to make there. But teams who we never thought would, would get to the position where they got to in the playoffs this year. If you would have told me the Padres had, were to beat the Dodgers four what did they beat them? They beat them four or three to one, right? In the in the ALDS, beat them four to three to one. Um, if you would have told me that two months ago, damn, bro, I would have put some money on it because that that would be crazy, It'd be crazy to say the Phillies were gonna make the World Series. It'd be crazy to say the Seattle Mariners were gonna come back from an eight to one deficit in the postseason. That would be crazy. That'd be crazy. And that's the thing, is everything that's happened for the MLB this year in the postseason and throughout the year has been crazy in a good way. And it's the first time in a few years where you can say the MLB is taking a lot of steps forward with their game. And you compare that and you contrast that to the NFL. Look, baseball is always going to be in the nation's pastime, but it's starting to become, you know, if NFL, if the NFL keeps taking these steps backward... You're going to start seeing a lot of people start watching the MLB again and start becoming fans of baseball again. And the NFL is going to be the direct... I don't know what the opposite word of beneficiary is, but whatever the opposite of beneficiary is, that's what the MLB... Or that's what the NFL is going to be when the MLB starts taking that step to being not only the nation's pastime again, but just one of the more watched things on TV again. So let's go back. Let's talk about this weekend in the NFL, huh? Let's start with a few things. Let's start with a few teams. Let's start with Washington, a team I think not a lot of people really want to talk about because it's the Washington Commanders. They didn't even have a team name until this year. Um, their owner is saying that he has dirt on the entire league, which, you know, whether you want to put value into that or not i don't think he really has anything i mean every owner has something but i don't think every owner has what daniel snyder had in terms of dirt um but let's talk about washington they didn't beat a good team they did not beat a good team in indianapolis they did not indianapolis is a very bad football team um if you're telling me that sam ellinger is obviously the better option at quarterback than matt ryan he didn't really prove that over this weekend. Yeah, he went 17 of 23, 200 yards, 67 QBR, 100.1 quarterback rating. But it's kind of like, you know, 
your team your team is a direct correlation of how good your quarterback is. Jonathan Taylor can't be a great running back if there's no good wide receiver. Or I mean no good quarterback. None of your receivers can be great if the quarterback throwing to them is not good. Um and your defense it, it's weird. It seems like a lot of teams like if they have a bad quarterback, the defense doesn't really want to play that well. <laughs> And, you know, that's the case I think we're going to start seeing with Indianapolis as they start going down this road. You know, they're an under 500 team. You look at every step along the way for this season, Indianapolis has been a major disappointment. Starting the season off with a tie against the Houston Texans, that was a major disappointment. Major, major disappointment. But let's get back to Washington because that, like I said, that was the, this was the team going into this week. They probably shouldn't have won. Um, and this was a game where you lose this game, you probably start looking down the road and you start saying, eh, we could probably just start tanking now for, for a quarterback. But they didn't do that. You know, they have a decent coach in Ron Rivera. They've got a good coaching staff. They've got good players everywhere. They've got Terry McLaurin. They've got Curtis Samuel. They've got Brian Robinson Jr. Uh, they've got Antonio Gibson. They've got now Tyler he- Taylor Heineke at quarterback. I think Washington going down the rest of the season, I don't think they make the playoffs because I think this defense, you know, you still, look, man, 16 points isn't a lot, but you give up 16 points to Indianapolis, that's like giving up 30 to 40 points against Philly. Uh, That's like giving up 30 to 40 points against Seattle, who for some reason is a great offense right now. That's like giving up 30 to 40 points against, against, Dallas against the Vikings against even the Packers to an extent you know um and it's just you you can't be giving up even that many points to that team um but they still won and that's kind of the thing is they still won the game they did not play a good football game really at all they had seven points going into the fourth quarter against a bad team and the fact that they still won that game is a huge, huge reason as to why you know, Ron, Ron Rivera is as highly regarded as he is and why a lot of us were confused with Taylor Heineke being replaced as the quarterback in Washington when he pretty much did his job as the quarterback in Washington for the past few years as well as anybody else who has come through and played that position the last five years, six years uh, really, since RG3 tore his ACL, uh, nobody has played the quarterback position better in Washington the last few years, really, than Ty- Taylor Heineke. And he deserves some credit for that. Let's move on to Tampa Bay. Let's move on to Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay, look, you know, they're still going to make the playoffs, man. Three and five for Tom Brady. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You're telling me this is as bad as it's ever been for Tom Brady? Look, man, with five losses, you could still win 10 games. You could still win 11 games. I'm not saying that they're going to win the NFC South because I think a lot of the other teams, look, they just have they have steam going in a way that Tampa Bay has not had all year. And from the looks of it, they're probably not going to have that steam really at all. The offensive line has is has had some issues. The running game is absolutely terrible. It's terrible. It's somehow so bad 
But it doesn't make sense how Leonard Fournette is going to finish as a top five, top seven fantasy running back. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, but look, man, they've they've lost to really good teams this year. Tampa Bay has lost to some good teams this year um, to where you look at it and you say, okay, well, they still have games. They have lost to bad teams as well. They did lose to Carolina, which is like, eh, you know, how do you lose to Carolina? But there are there are the losses. I mean, in Pittsburgh, against Baltimore, against Kansas City, and against Green Bay, it's like okay, you know, they've had a they've had a rough season. They've had a really rough season. And going forward, you hope that Tom Brady can start playing better. But he's sixth in passing, you know. And maybe we shouldn't really be relying as much on Tom Brady to have already thrown 340 pass attempts through the first eight games of the season. You know, 45 attempts a game from Tom Brady is probably not what you need to be winning football games, but it's exactly what they need to be even in a football game to begin with because they have no running game. Leonard Fournette is averaging 3.4 yards per per carry. Uh, Rashad White ain't doing much better at three exactly. There's been nobody in the receiving game to not only just not be consistent, but not even, like, play in the games like russell gage has played every game mike evans has played every game chris godwin hasn't been there every week even mike evans actually has not been there every week russell russell gage has not been there every week cameron Brait has missed a few games brashad perriman has not been there every week julio jones has not been there every week uh, you know they just don't have any consistency in their pass catchers to be there every week and that's that's just something that hurts not only tom brady but it hurts when tom brady wasn't there for training camp and it hurts when guys are in and out of the lineup it just it it's not there for tampa bay right now but that's the best thing that could happen for them is it's not there the first half of the year so that they can get there in the second half and i think that's exactly what you're going to see them do over this next half of the year